Thank you, thank you so much. No autographs, please. Like, no pictures, no pictures. I'll be back next year. I'll be back next year. You can get your autographs then. Thank you guys so much. Welcome to the choir room, guys. Super excited. If you can't already tell, is another Christmas episode, bitches. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy New Year. Happy Ramadan. Happy whatever the hell else is at the end of the year. We are here to talk about Glee, actually the third Christmas special in the fourth season of Glee. Of course, I am not alone. I am also joined by uh, one of my little helpers this episode. Matt, how are you today? I just have a question. Uh, do you listen to, I know you don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but do you listen to them on a faster speed or are you uh, normal speed all the way? I am a normal speed all the way. Why do you think somebody's going to try and like, are you, are you trying to it, throw shade at my solo? Is that what this is going? No, 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 no. Because I, I listen uh, to every podcast that I listen to on at least 1.5, sometimes 2x. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that do as well because there's just so many podcasts. Um, so I'm just imagining how that beautiful uh, opening is going to sound on like a 2, 3x speed. Do not speed through my opening, guys. If you have already, go back and do it on natural speed. You just have to experience the full magnificence and elegance of that, uh, of that solo. Yeah, I uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts with a lot of theme songs, a lot of, you know, some music here and there. And uh, most of the time, it's very, very uh, crazy to go back and hear them on 1x speed because I'm just so used to them faster. So uh, I hope everybody enjoyed that cover of um, All I Want for Christmas is You on either one, one and a half or 2x speed. Yeah, we got a lot of Christmas to get into today. And this is, uh, I know, your favorite podcast of every season or your favorite episode, at least. So hope you enjoyed this one as well, even though you watched it like five days ago. Uh, I was just brimming from ear to ear watching this episode because, yes, I love the holidays and the fact that I have now subjected myself to three Christmas specials in the dead of summer is just awesome for me. I love it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Christmas in July, bitch. Christmas in motherfucking July. I was telling Matt, I think this might be the best Christmas special that Glee has ever done. Uh, season five is also up there. We all know how we feel about season three. And season two is okay. You know, it's, it was getting its bearings. 
Um, but I think this might be the most fully realized Christmas special because of the fact that story elements are introduced. Um, it's kind of pushed forward. It's not. It doesn't really. It doesn't really stagnate. You know what I mean? We get to see these characters sort of come closer together with one another, and um, you know, the season then kind of leapfrogs off of this energy. So I, uh, I like this one a lot. I don't know if I don't know if Matt will be up for a podcast. It doesn't have to be a full-ass episode, but I don't know if you'll be up for a podcast later when we're done and going through every single Christmas special to see which one truly is the best. I don't know that we need a whole podcast for that. I feel like that'll be just coming up in conversation today and next time. But then again, once we get done with uh, episode recaps, I'm sure we're going to be pulling for any Maybe we could do uh, it for the holiday we season. Can. We can, like, we can do it like this, this, uh, this winter. That's a that's a perfect idea that I can agree to right now here on the spot. Yes. Um, but <laughs> as far as uh, this one goes, I also really enjoyed it. I mean, uh, now that we're watching them so close, you know, back to back to back ish uh, for the Christmas specials, you know, definitely, uh, I, I'll, you know, I'm not going to tell you what the slushy rating is just yet, but I'll tell you that I have this one definitely over the other two episodes as far as enjoyment of a Christmas episode, which is, you know, this should be a welcome change if anybody is uh, used to me, you know, not enjoying the Christmas episodes. Uh, I did enjoy this one. I don't, you know, I remember some things about the season five one, but I am, you know, excited to get to that one as well. But this one is uh, is definitely leading the race. Definitely leading the race. And not all the characters are here. You know what I mean? Um, this chooses to focus on um, only a few of them, which I don't mind. I think that's kind of what makes it better is that we're not all over the place. So yeah, this was, this was a lot of fun and I'm excited. Yes. Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting, too, about how there's not that, you know, uh, there's some key characters that are not here. Um, just to, like, think of the ones that I can name off the top of my head is obviously, you know, Rachel's not a very big player, as you mentioned in the last episode. Will is in, like, one scene, even though, you know, I, well, I guess he, I don't know if he's in Washington. I don't know where he is right now. Um, and, you know, Santana, uh, Mercedes, even though they've been back recently, are not uh, really, no, they're not in the episode at all. So, yeah, a little strange for that. I don't know if you were going to ask me this, so sorry if I'm jumping on your question, but have you watched or have you seen Love Actually? I have not seen Love Actually. You would think someone like me who adores the holiday season would have seen it, but it's one of those movies that has been so overhyped that I just always feel like I can always get to it later because um, mm-hmm. the opportunity will always present itself every holiday season, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah. You want to take a guess? Have I seen it? Have I not seen it? You have seen it. I have not seen it. Oh Good question. <laughs> I have not seen Love Actually. Um, but I, up. after watching this episode, I was like, okay, well, I get that they were probably going for a very direct, you know, uh, take on the movie. And then I looked up the movie and I was like, yeah, this seems like exactly Yeah, it's a very vignette so. ass movie from what I hear. Well, maybe we'll watch it as well when it comes to Christmas time. I don't know. But yeah, Glee Actually. That's a clever title. Glee actually it's like actually glee it's like if glee were actually glee like like actually glee yeah actually but actually actually but actually actually like glee like actually glee (laughs) actually glee glee actually actually factually glee you know everything is satisfactual Oh, no, not that racist-ass song. No, don't hate this <laughs> podcast with that bullshit. <laughs> All right, we're just going to purge ourselves with that energy and just get right on into this fucking episode. 
Artie is looking quite disheveled as he is rolling through the hallways uh, with a cut on his face. It looks really, really bad, actually. His glasses are all foggy. He's been crying a little bit. He's frustrated. He's trying to put his stuff in his locker. Everything is falling out. He's just he's having a, a rough morning. Finn is going to come over and see his friend just, you know, all kinds of fucked up. He's like, oh, what's what's going on? Like, what happened? He's like, well, the stupid janitor didn't put any ice or didn't put any salt down on the ramp. And so I, uh, I slipped on the ice and then I'm sitting there laying there waiting for somebody to come and get me. Um, and Finn's like, whoa, 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 like, slow down, calm down. Like, we're going to take you to the nurse's office. Like, that cut looks pretty bad. So he uh, takes Artie to the nurse's office. She examines him and tells him that she's going to call his mom and that he should lay down because he hit his head pretty hard, which is not what he should be doing. You should not be advising him to lay down because if he is concussed, he should not fall asleep. So that nurse needs to be fired. And so uh, he's going to Finn is going to roll him over to the uh, to the bed and ask him if he wants any help. And he's like, you know what? No, I don't want any help right now. I'm just really, really upset. Like, this is just, this is, I'm just, I'm, I'm pissed off right now. And Finn's like, look, anybody could have slipped on that ice already. He's like, yeah, but they could have gotten back up instead of just lying there waiting for some to, someone to come and get you and waiting for some freshman girl to come and help you up the ice. And Finn's like, please don't bite my head off, but you're a little bit tired right now. You're a little, you need the rest. So I'm going to, I'm going to help you up. So he lets him up um, out of the chair and onto the bed and Artie says, I just wish I was never in that stupid chair. Finn says, I know, buddy. And then he's going to fall into a slumber, um, which is medical malpractice. But when he wakes up, he's going to wake up in an alternate universe. Everything's in black and white. And who should be there, Matt? Who are we about to see? It is the winner of the Glee Project Season 1, the one that got kicked off of Glee. Not really kicked off the show, but you know. Joe's still here, uh, Rory's still not, and you know, we don't talk about that enough, because all the complaining about Joe not getting attention, at least he's still on the show. Rory is back. Rory Flanagan is back. He was deported to uh, his country back in uh, the end of last season, after all the seniors graduated. All of the other kids returned to the school for, you know, the next year of their education except for Rory who had to go back home sugar was not able to afford uh, I guess to keep him in the in the country I think she was trying to do that but now Rory is back here uh, even though he's just kind of part of this dream and he is going to be Artie's uh, Christmas guardian angel so what a nice surprise to see this guy back again yeah uh, and Artie is in for a really uh, interesting awakening because Everything is fucked up in this alternate universe. Um, uh, Tina is stuttering again. Um, first of all, Artie can walk, right? Artie can walk. He has a Letterman jacket on, so he's obviously uh, involved in some sport. We're going to find out that that's football. Tina is still stuttering and still in her gothic look. Becky is the school slut. She's actually going to come up and proposition Artie to see if they want to, you know, fool around. I can't get pregnant. Let's fool around, hot stud. Rory's going to explain that because no one really showed her any self-respect or any or any respect. She doesn't have any respect for herself, and so now she's the school slut. Rachel is a mousy librarian. I guess she graduated high school and then came back to work at the high school as a librarian. And Artie's like, what, what, what the hell's going on with you? Like, I thought you were, like, in New York, like, following your dream. She's like, well, you know, I, I am going to be in The Music Man um at the uh local theater production and she's like well are you gonna be the lead she's like mm, no i'm gonna be in the ensemble excuse me um puck and finn and sam and mike chang and jake and Ryder. damn 
The whole damn team is still bullying Kurt. Artie's like, didn't you graduate? Kurt's like, well, I, I should have, but I couldn't come to school more than twice a week because of all the bullying. So the homeschooling sent me back a year. And Artie's like, well, what does Blaine have to say about that? And he's like, who's Blaine? So they've ne they've never met in this alternate universe. Uh, Mr. Shu is an alcoholic drinking at school, on school grounds, still married to Terry, who is carrying around a fake baby who's going to come in. So we get the, 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 the return of Terry DeMonico here asking Will for his paycheck so that she can spend it uh, before he spends it on booze. And Artie's like, that's a fake baby. And she's like, oh, he's so drunk. He doesn't know the difference. So he's all kinds of fucked up. Emma is apparently married to Ken Tanaka on her honeymoon in Hawaii. And last but not least, Quinn is dead. <laughs> Quinn got into a car accident and was never able to recover because she did not have the love and support of the Glee kids. And Quinn is a texter and driver and every timeline already is like you know what i'm gonna fix all of this i'm gonna bring them all back together i'm not gonna let this happen this is not the way that things are supposed to be because we're always gonna let him know like look you were the glue of glee already you were the one you were the slow beating heart of glee and without you no one ever really came together and yeah that's 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 the reality of it. You were too busy fo playing football. So Artie decides to bring everybody together into the Glee room, which is now Coach Sylvester's sewing room. And he puts on a performance of Feliz Navidad um, in, in, you know, in an uh, attempt to get the Glee Club all inspired again. But at the end of his performance, which was really good, by the way, Finn's going to be like, that was so gay. <laughs> So at the end of all of this, um, when he does find that chair that did belong to Quinn and not himself, he picks up the rose that was meant for Quinn, sits back down, um, and then wakes up back into the, uh, in, in the nurse's office. So how did we feel about this entire uh, montage with Artie? I don't even know where to start. I have uh, notes going back to like the beginning of when you started talking. I, uh, I'll i go in uh, from the beginning there. We have uh, the Becky Jackson being pregnant storyline is uh, very, very good. Um, she is just such a delight anytime we get a chance to see Becky. And uh, when they give her just like these fun little moments, I always appreciate it. Um, what's next? We see the bullying that uh, all the guys are pushing Kurt into a locker. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, we get that Kurt explains why he didn't graduate because he he was, uh, you know, he, he wasn't able to finish uh, homeschooling or whatever the situation was. It set him back a year because he was so afraid to come into school. I was like, all right, we can bring back uh, Rory and Terry, but I guess Karofsky can't come back. It just has to be all these other guys, which I get the point they were trying to be like, oh, these guys weren't in Glee Club. So they all were just terrible bullies the whole time. Um, and this whole scene, as it like goes out from, from here and down into like when they're all in the choir room, so, 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 so enjoyed watching both eras of the Glee Club come together. I wish that everybody was there. I wish that Santana and Mercedes and um, who, uh, Quinn, you know, were, well, I know that Quinn was a part of this storyline in one way, but I wish that like everybody had been there um, to see like literally everybody together. But we got, I guess, pretty close by seeing like Finn and Rachel and, you know, Mike and Finn and I said Finn already, uh, Puck and everybody like interacting as if they were still in the same school together. So that's adorable. Um, with the whole Will and Terry thing, that's very funny with the baby doll uh, that Terry is holding 
holding and she's still just as crazy as ever. I'm glad they were able to get uh, Jessalyn Gilsig to come back for just a very quick, uh, you know, cameo and show up here to have this thing with Will. This is the only Will that we get in the entire episode. So it's, it's, you know, it's fine. It's good. It's uh, funny. And to know that Emma and Ken Tanaka are off in Hawaii, that is also something worth, uh, worth noting because we hate Ken Tanaka here and uh, it feels like so long since we talked about him, uh, which is not a bad thing. So yeah, they're off in Hawaii. They're apparently uh, a match made in heaven, according to Terry and Will. And then, yeah, with the Rachel thing, Rachel is, uh, you know, she's stuck in, stuck in Lima, did not ever make it to New York. Um, I don't believe that. I don't even care what alternate timeline we're in. Rachel made it to New York. So that's like the least believable one of this all to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, as uh, Rory tells him, he's like, yeah, you were the, you were the glue of the Glee Club. And I kind of like, I feel like that makes sense, even though like not directly, but everybody liked Artie, even though he has his moments of, you know, douchey, douchebaggery, like he's definitely still somewhat of an integral piece or like not somewhat like uh, even for this year, pulling Finn back in from being off in, you know, whatever world he was living in to come back in and help them out. And now Finn is kind of like. The, now Finn's kind of like connecting the alumni to the new kids, but Artie definitely has a lot to do with a lot of things along the way. Uh, the director, you know, a lot of them trust him. They believe in him. And now poor Quinn, uh, just Ryan Murphy. What are you doing? Why, why are we I doing know, this? Right? Like, did you have to kill her? Like, shit. Like, not, not, not cool. Not cool. Uh, you know, she, I guess, texts and drives in every timeline. So that's uh, something. And then back in the choir room. Yeah, it's really just fun to see all these kids sitting together at the uh, sewing machines and everybody is you see Rachel and Marley and Kitty and Finn and Sam and Brittany and Joe and Mike and literally everybody is there uh, just sewing while Artie does this performance. And it's, you know, it's fun to see Artie get a chance to dance. Uh, You know, Kevin McHale, we always love to see him uh, get a chance to show his like true performing abilities since he's uh, always just stuck in the wheelchair. So Feliz Navidad was a really fun number. I really appreciated it. And, you know, you also see Will here as he walks by the room and he's so sad. And then, yeah, uh, Mr. Bully Hudson has to drop that line at the end about how that was so gay. And I was like, okay, well, this is a different timeline, but this was a very fun portion of the episode. (laughs) I laughed when he said that. He was like, that was so gay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, um, I liked this opening. Um, At the end of it, he's going to wake up in the nurse's office. Um, His mom is here to pick him up. And Finn helps him back into his chair. Um, and, you know, Artie gladly accepts the help now, having this change of heart after having the dream. And Finn says, you know, I, I know that you hate being in this chair. I know it's awful sometimes. Artie says, you know what, for better or for worse, um, this chair is a part of me. It's made me who I am. So a nice little cool way to open up the episode here. Like you said, I enjoyed seeing Kevin McHale get to do a little bit of dancing and, you know, reminding us that he is not in a wheelchair <laughs> and that he mm-hmm. is capable of movement and uh great so yeah yeah did you uh th- did i miss uh you setting up sue's thing in the beginning oh no i'm i didn't talk about it at all i forgot about it as uh Sue, sue's opening monologue here is it's uh her writing in her journal it's christmas time again you know the time of year when parents are not arrested for forcing their children to sit on an old man's weirdly hot lap uh, and she's like the magical season when five seemingly separate storylines are cleverly sandwiched between commercial breaks and then tied together at the end like a beautiful bow like that movie love actually so um just setting that up making sure that you know if you are not watching along with us directly that you know and maybe you haven't seen love actually like the two of 
of us haven't, that that's what we're getting into in this episode. Five different separate storylines cleverly sandwiched together, not between commercial breaks because we don't have ads on this podcast. We're not that cool. But uh, yeah, between commercial breaks, I guess, in real time for the show. And yeah, so the only reason I wanted to make sure we set that up is also because personally, I thought it'd be fun to kind of give like a mini slushy rating of each storyline as we go. Does that sound worth doing? Hmm, interesting. Just, uh, you know, we, we usually rate the entire, like this is, it's like, you usually rate an entire storyline of an episode at the end, um, but this is five different things. I wonder how it would go, like, if this is uh, uh, one slushy and the next one is zero, and then how does it all factor into our final equation? I don't know, maybe, maybe, because um, I guess I'll just come out and say it, that this was uh, a zero slushy, uh, zero slushy uh, story for me. I absolutely loved every single second of this. I loved getting the arty walking. I loved getting the, uh, you know, just the Rory of it all. Like, this was just adorable. And if this was the entire episode, this would have been maybe my favorite episode of Glee. Wait, this would, wait, you're saying, wait, say that again? If this part of the episode with the Artie, like Artie and Rory and this, if this whole thing had played out for the full 43 minutes, I could see this being my favorite episode of Glee. That's how much I was enjoying it. Ah, gotcha. Mm, High praise. Interesting. Yeah, I I definitely remember when I watched this for the first time, I was like, oh, I kind of wanted the whole episode to be this like i wanted to see like what's going to happen and i was kind of uh upset when the ep- when the commercial came back on and then it was right back onto you know the usual but yeah i mean it, it was definitely interesting to see this sort of like alternate universe and uh these characters sort of like get sh- shifted around it's you know it kind of reminds me of uh of the props episode you know what i mean when they all switch bodies so yeah, definitely. I love when they, we love props just as much, uh, at least that portion of the episode. So when they do these creative things, I'm sure they have a lot of fun writing them, a, a lot of fun filming them. And then I have a lot of fun watching them. So good job. Good job, writers. Good job. I don't know who wrote this episode. It's somewhere in my notes somewhere, but whoever did it, we're fans. Back in New York, Rachel's going to say to Kurt, well, if you're not going to come back to Lima, do you at least want to join me and my dad's on this cruise? And Kurt's not really feeling. He's like, you know what? No, I'm, I'm fine. I'm just going to spend the holidays here in NYC. It'll be good to have some alone time. You know, I've been really stressed with school and everything lately. It'll be good. It'll be nice. I'll be I'll, I'll be fine. But who should show up at the door? But Bert, because the two of them were trying to put together this little Christmas bush in, in the corner. But Bert is going to show up with an entire Christmas tree and to surprise his son. And it's wonderful. It's great and everything. Uh, they, put, they fix the tree up and everything. And Bert's going to tell us this story of... Um, their first Christmas after Kurt's mom died, he had completely forgotten about, you know, getting a tree and all the traditions. But then he's found Kurt putting together his own tree in his room. Um, and he got reminded, he's like, oh, my goodness, let me let me go back. And so he went out that day, got them a Christmas tree, and they went ahead and put it up. And he's talked about how it was the first time that Kurt had smiled since his mom had passed. And he was making his own ornaments that Christmas as well. And one of them was his mom's old perfume bottle because he loved the way that his mom smelled. So they uh, started putting some of the ornaments on the tree. Rachel's about to go because she can't be late for her cruise. But Bert's like, before you go, just open this up. And he has gifted them a Christmas tree ornament, which is a big apple to celebrate their first Christmas in the big apple and all sorts of merriment and happiness. And I thought this was nice that Bert was able to, to show up in uh, NYC for his son. 
Yeah, I'm just, this is like the start of just this entire episode just really pulls the tears out of you, especially with the Bert stuff uh, all along. I don't know what it is. I mean, I get that we all love Bert or most of us love Bert and, you know, he's the father of the year, father of the lifetime kind of thing. But something about him, about uh, Michael Malley's acting and and about the chemistry between these two actors, between uh, Michael Malley and, and Chris Colfer, just it always works so well and you know we haven't seen Bert in a while I think the last time we saw him was the beginning of the season when he sent Kurt off to New York and was like you gotta go you gotta go do this this is your thing and you know it's meant for you and in the meantime Kurt has landed a very successful uh internship and now he's made it into Niata like Bert pushing him to go do this made all of his dreams come true in a way that probably would not have happened if Kurt decided to just stick around Lima, hanging around the New Directions and, you know, going to that community college. Like, he had it within him, but he just didn't get himself to go there, which, again, was why I didn't think he was a Gryffindor. But it's okay. And, yeah, this is just adorable. Uh, Bert, you know, buying Rachel a present. I was like, you are so, so nice. You are just the nicest man on Earth. Uh, Well, not a Christmas present, a Hanukkah present. Ah, Hanukkah present, uh, because, of course, Rachel is Jewish, and so are some other characters in this episode, so that'll be fun when we get there um yeah just love that bird showed up here especially as these two are like planting their feet in uh in new york and really trying to avoid ohio this this little storyline got me too you know just every time you hear about kurt and his mom they just make made his mom seem like the best human ever and i kind of wish that Mm -hmm. we got to at least meet her in like a bit of a flashback or whatever but i understand completely why they never did that but yeah i agree nice that bird is showing up Especially given that, yeah, he is the reason that Kurt is even here in the first place. It was a good point. They go ahead, after Rachel leaves, they go ahead to complete one of their other Christmas um, traditions. And that's getting hot chocolate to the good of this diner somewhere downtown. And uh, Bert's like, you know what? I have something to tell you. I'm just going to come right out and say it because there really is no easy way to say it. I have prostate cancer. And then you see Kurt just deflate. He's like, I feel like I want to be sick. But Bert says, look, wait, no, we caught it early. It's local stage. It hasn't metastasized or anything. The cure rate is like nearly 100%. And as he says that he goes for one of the fries that they're eating. And Kurt's like, well, for healthy people, Dad, like you have to be healthy for this. He's going to pull the fries away. Um, And he's like, it's just really, really scary that, you know, when I finally reach my destiny or achieve my dreams or whatever, whatever, whatever I end up being, it's kind of scary having the feeling that you're not going to be there. And uh, Bert says, look, I'm going to be there. Like, you don't have to worry about that. And if I can just give you some more advice while we're still talking uh, father to son, it's so important that you keep the people that love you close. Like, just keep everyone, you know, you gotta, you have to remind yourself of, like, who the people in their life that really matter um, and hold close to them. Um, so they're going to go back to the apartment. And, you know, of course, Kurt is already beginning to fuss over his dad. Like, do you need anything? Water, tea, a pillow, anything. And Bert's like, stop. Let's just focus on happy things. Like our Christmas traditions, I'm looking forward to watching basketball on Christmas Day, which I didn't know that basketball was in season during Christmas, but okay. I'm looking forward to watching basketball during Christmas Day while you pretend to read, uh, or while you pretend to watch with me. And it's like, well, you re- like you mean while I pretend to read Vogue? He's like, that wasn't a secret. And uh, Kurt's like, you know what? How about we uh, start exchanging our gifts like we usually do as well? So he gives his dad a Niata shirt and cap. Which I really felt like should have been a uh, Niata dad shirt and cap. You know what I mean? Because I felt like that was yeah. kind of like, <laughs> it was lacking. Yeah, just, it, it could have easily said dad on the bottom and Bert would have proudly worn it as well. But uh, whatever. Yeah, whatever. And 
Bert is going to give his son this note or this uh, address rather. Um, and he's like, well, I couldn't really, you know, fit it inside the, the apartment. So you're going to have to go down to this dress. And if you don't like it, you know what? You can return it. <laughs> Which I felt like was kind of shady. It was like, how can you return this? But right. I know. Um, but he's going to go to the address that his dad gave him. Um, and it's at this ice skating rink. And then who should be there, Matt? Like, Kurt, you had to know that this was coming. You had to have expected. Like, what else do you think Kurt possibly could have been expecting to show, uh, to see when he showed up at this address other than Blaine? Like, truly what? I don't know. I I don't think there's anything else I can think of that, like, Finn? Finn's not a big surprise. Like, uh, all the new directions there? Like, that's not happening. So, I mean, I think Blaine was the only reasonable thing that you could have expected was the was happening here. But also, like, as adorable as this is and how much... Uh, well, the answer's Blaine. You asked me a question, the answer's Blaine. Um, <laughs> the, uh, like, the adorable thing about this is, uh, is obvious about how it turns into a Blaine and Kurt scene that we've been kind of hoping for for a couple of episodes. But um, in terms of, like, realistic... I'm like, no, Blaine, if he if he was flying to New York, like Bert would be like, oh, let me pick you up. Not like go go to the ice rink, skate for as long as you need to. And then I'm going to send Kurt at the specific time. Like what if Blaine had already been skating for an hour and his legs were tired and he wanted to get off the ice and just I'm ruining a cute scene here. But um, it was very <laughs> cute as this uh, was revealed. <laughs> yeah, um, it's Blaine. It's Blaine, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, Blaine Anderson. And Blaine's going to tell him, look, I. Uh, I, your dad told me everything. I'm going to keep an eye on him for you. But more importantly, I didn't want us to miss our Christmas tradition, our Christmas duet. Um, hurry up, get your skates on um, before midnight hits. And so they're going to start skating together and sing uh, um, White Christmas. I guess this is the their third time singing together because they met in season two. Yeah, and they sang on their first season together, too, uh, the Christmas song. That was the only way to, like, keep them in the loop there. Actually, no, am I thinking of last season? No, well, I do think that they sang in season two as well. But Yeah, they um, sang was... um, Baby It's Cold Outside in season two, and then they sang Let It Snow in season three. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not confusing myself. Uh, season two is when Kurt is at uh, at Dalton, and mm-hmm. they uh, the only way to keep those two in that episode at all was to you know cut over to a quick scene there, yeah. and uh, have the two of them sing that. So they did. Yeah, this is a third year tradition, and Blaine's like, yeah, we uh, we're not about to go you know, cancel on that. So he is uh, happy to see Kurt. Kurt seems pretty happy to see Blaine and the two of them are just going to go get their skate on, which I mean, love a good ice skate, love a good ice skate any time of year, but specifically around the holidays, uh, those, those uh, rinks around New York city. If you can find one that's not too crowded, which they do exist. uh, It's always a really fun time. Even if it, even if it is a little bit crowded, you know, you, you don't need to be going out there for like the skate of your life. It's just a very nice scene, get some nice winter clothes on and just uh, make a night out of it. It's it's always a fun activity. So I haven't been ice skating in so long. I really wanted to go this past Christmas. I mean, we just never got around to it. But yeah, I agree. I love skating. And there's this. Um, I live like near the waterfront here in Philly, and there's this ice skating rink um, pretty close to my house. And every winter they put on this thing called Winterfest. So it's there's an ice skating rink, and there's like big lodges with like lots of like you know Christmas memorabilia and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. buy hot chocolate and you know you can sit around big ass bonfires and shit like that and my friends and i like went and brought like a bottle of peppermint schnapps and like spiked all over hot chocolate it was like a lot of fun i love you know ice skating and all that shit for the holidays so i agree i have an endorsement here (laughs) (laughs) but at the end of this it's really um, just cute it is cute it's really cute and i've uh 
I've uh, I've never really been an ice skating kind of person until I got older. It's so strange. Like, I didn't really, like, enjoy summer activities. I didn't really enjoy going to the beach when I was younger. I didn't really enjoy ice skating when I was younger. But now that I'm a little older, I'm, like, so about it. Like, I'm like, yeah, let's get our scarves on. Let's get our gloves on. Let's fucking go. Like, let's skate. I, I'm a big ice skating guy. Really love to do it all the time. I have a local rink that is where the, uh, the Islanders practice. And a um, uh, little tip. They're not, nobody's listening from there, right? You can just go on the ice. You don't have to pay. You just go on the ice. If you have your own skates, you bring them. Just go on the ice. <laughs> well, I am not endorsing this. Um, so if there's anybody that's listening that works at that ice skating rink, you didn't hear it from me. <laughs> the, uh, this entire storyline for me, since I know everybody's waiting uh, to find out my slushy rating for this one, another zero. Another zero. Yeah, I mean, they're really, they're really concise. They're really succinct. They're kind of like really like straight to the point, but like not, it didn't feel rushed at all. You know what I mean? Like I... I was along for the ride the entire time, so I would agree. And I, I would you know agree. what? Maybe maybe I'm just so high on them because they're so short, sweet, simple to the point, and like they get an entire adorable little storyline out within, you know, a matter of ten minutes at at most. It's definitely less than ten minutes. So um, I mean, I guess spoiler alert: I'm gonna have pretty good ratings for the rest of them as well. I'm just uh, so impressed with uh, with how they did this. Yeah, they they did a good job. They did. I'm a fan. I am a fan. At the end of their little duet, Blaine is going to, I mean, at, before they started singing, he did want to reassure, like he, he was looking for reassurance from Kurt, like you are happy to see me, right? And because they're, you know, they're still broken up. It's still not 100% between the two of them again. But Kurt does say that he's happy to see him. And when they're done skating, um, he just says, you know what? Like no matter, no matter when, no matter where, we're always going to be there for each other, right? And uh, Kurt is just going to give him a hug in response while Bert is looking on, pleased that he was able to bring a smile to his son's face in this big, lonely city. Yeah, how do you think that worked? Like, after Kurt left the apartment, Bert just followed close behind, like, a couple steps to make sure he didn't see him? Probably, yeah. Uh, he showed up at a pretty good time. I guess to make sure that uh, if he did want to return it, he could just return it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be... <laughs> Dad, you can have him back. Send him like, back on the next flight. Like, All right, I tried. Get your ass back on this bus. Donna, Ohio. <laughs> that would have been that would have been funny. Can you imagine? He's just like, no, like I'm I'm good. Like I don't I don't need this. <laughs> and then like Isabel shows up to like slap him in the face and be like, you take yeah. that boy back now. <laughs> in an alternate universe, in an alternate alternate universe, that's what happens. Um, back at McKinley, the two nameless assholes are taunting Jake once again. They just can't. They're obsessed with Jake. They just cannot get enough of him. Um, Honestly. And, I, I get it. <laughs> True. And they're asking him if he's feeling a little bit more African or a little bit more Jewish this holiday, and which one which one is he going to celebrate, uh, Kwanzaa or Hanukkah. And just a little side note here, Kwanzaa is not an African holiday. I repeat, Kwanzaa is not an African holiday. It was invented by an African-American man, Dr. Karenga, it, however, does celebrate African principles, but it is not African. People in Africa, do, did, this did not originate there. So I just want people to understand that because I was annoyed upon hearing that, especially when they made it come out of a black guy's voice, but whatever. Um, they're about to get into it uh, because Jake has had enough. He's about to, they're about to throw down. But uh, Noah is going to step in here and break it the fuck up. <laughs> um, Jake rightfully is going to ask 
thanks, but what are you doing here? <laughs> and uh, Noah's going to explain that he is in the middle of writing a school or a, a screenplay, excuse me, and he is doing research because it is a high school element and a sci-fi drama. So he's here to, you know, be in the environment, I guess. And he's also here to check in on his brother. And he's going to invite Jake to come and celebrate Hanukkah in La La Land with him. Um, and Jake's like, what, like, you want me to ride in the sidecar to your, motor- to your motorcycle all the way to Los Angeles? And he's like, well, where's your sense of adventure? And the next shot we get is the two of them riding up to some lot in California on a motorcycle. Like, how long? How long? How long is the drive? How long is the drive from Lima, Ohio to La La Land? It is pretty significant. Do I, I can actually look it up while you keep talking. The two of them are going to go up on this lot. And uh, Jacob's like, so are we here for your screenplay? Like, are we meeting up with somebody or something? He's like, no, we're just going to you know, go with the feel. Just you know, let everybody know who, you, who we are. Most importantly, what we are. Because if, you, uh, if you're Jewish or you're gay in Hollywood, then you kind of got your life made. So Puck is going to steal two guitars uh off this truck and give one to jake and then they just start parading through the set singing hanukkah oh hanukkah 33 hours <laughs> 33 hours so even if you had like gone non-stop that's like a whole day and a half yeah definitely uh more than a day that's how days work with hours and all that kind of fun stuff so jake was in that little sidecar for that whole time i mean look i guess i i guess they took a break or two they had to eat they had to sleep a couple different times maybe they didn't do it straight through but like in that sidecar like it probably rained along the way it's probably like because public public schools don't get hanukkah off do they um well no it's you know it's eight nights uh you're not gonna you know, it's, it's a different time of December every month, so it's hard to, you know, get the time off specifically for it. But I'm just trying to, like, understand, like, the logistics of it, because if they were still in school, more than likely Hanukkah has already begun. So that they probably, like, you're, like you said, they probably took some breaks as they went to L.A. So they probably got to L.A. in, like, two or three days. So is Hanukkah still even going on at the time? Like, I'm just trying to understand. Hanukkah in 2012 began on the evening of December 8th and ended the evening of December 16th. Yeah. So they, so he convinced his mom to let him, this is the only part of the episode that doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, well, either way, yeah, Hanukkah or Hanukkah, uh, definitely, you know, the first representation, uh, represent the first Jewish representation, uh, musical song choice. Uh, that was a strange way to say what, you know what I was trying to say. <laughs> um, first, <laughs> first of that, uh, on the show. And, you know, it's, uh, I guess a little surprising because Puck has existed in this world as, as has Rachel for the past two seasons of Christmas specials. And, uh, you know, I, I would have, I, I'm just surprised that this is the first time that they decided to include a song from an ho- from a holiday other than Christmas, but better late than never. And uh, the two Puckerman boys driving around the set on uh, a couple different golf carts and singing this song. And then ultimately, like we see during it, you know, they, they're both getting the Star of David tattoos and they're putting it up on the tree as well uh, in the middle of the big lot and just having a great old Jewish time. So I uh, I love this as well. Well, there was there was Papa Can You Hear Me in season two. I mean, it's not a holiday song, but it's at least a Jewish song. Well, a, a song written for a Jewish person. I right? don't know anything about it. Yeah, because that was it was from it was from the movie Yentl. Barbara Streisand played Yentl, and she sang that song. So, Jewish, okay, ish. 
if that makes right. sense. So we'll, we'll just call this the first Hanukkah song of the yeah. uh, episode. <laughs> I think, I think, or no, sorry, the episode of the series. Um, but yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're doing well. Uh, Jake and Puck off in LA. Jake is like happy to accompany his brother back to LA and see what the deal is. And Puck seems like a pretty big, uh, pretty big deal. Uh, at least what he's telling Jake and uh, the way he's acting, the way he's walking around the set, like he owns it. Uh, yeah. If you're a Jew or you're gay in Hollywood, you've uh, basically got it made. Puck tells Puck him. is in this season a lot more than I remember. Like he's been in like what? Like four episodes in a row now, I didn't. I don't know oh, why I didn't like a row. Yeah, because he was in this one. He was in the other. He was in the last one, Swan Song, at the beginning. Maybe three. And then he was in the one before that, and he was in the one before that, wasn't he? Uh, I'll take your word. I feel like it's three, but I'm not gonna look that up. That's too much. Too much. I know for a fact that he's in the next one. So if it's three now, then it's <laughs> four in the next one. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's just more present than I remember him being, which. It was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. And uh, the two of them, uh, you know, <laughs> it's funny how they, uh, they, I don't know if you already said this because we've been talking for like 20 minutes since, uh, since we were t- set this all up, but back at the house as uh, you know, he, he realizes that uh, Puck is not actually living this extravagant life that he thought his brother was, or Jake thought his brother was. I get why you were calling him Noah because it's uh, tough to go back and forth between the two names between Jake and Puck when Jake's name is Jake Puck Gurman. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Puck is really trying to just put on this facade of this glamorous life that uh that that he's living there and jake is uh yeah he's he, he was enjoying it while he thought it was real yeah they're gonna end up at this extravagant after they got tattoos together mind you, they got they both got stars of david on their left shoulder um they're gonna go to this extravagant ass uh, house with this beautiful pool just sitting there lounging in the backyard but it's gonna be rudely interrupted um like don't you just hate like when you break into somebody's house and they actually have the nerve to show up this woman's like oh excuse me aren't you the person that cleans our pool and jake knows immediately what's going on he's like why did you lie to me and he's like well i didn't think that you would want to come to la if you found out that i was like a loser here um it's really lonely here like i don't really i got i live in like a really small apartment in the in the valley and i'm just kind of lonely he's like jake's like why didn't you just tell me that like we're family he's like well i didn't you know i didn't want you to know that you have a, a loser for a big brother but Jake's like, you know what? Come back to Lima with me. If we leave now, then we can still make it back by Christmas Eve. And Puck is like, I don't really want to go back. Like, my mom is just going to convince me to have dinner with her. And my sister's just going to go hang out with her Christian friends. Jake's like, okay, well, I'll bring my mom as well. And we can have dinner together. And Puck's like, well, my mom hates your mom. And Jake's like, your mom doesn't even know my mom. So they're going to go back to Lima. having just got to L.A. And they're going to go to Breadsticks. Uh, I don't even know what to call these two. Like, I was going to say Mrs. Puckerman, but I don't think the both of them carry that name anymore, so. No. (laughs) I feel like they have names. I'm pretty sure I was on the page. Now I'm going to look. Nope. Their names are Jake's mother and Mrs. Puckerman. (laughs) Well, I'll call call her by the actress's name because I know Aisha Tyler. I'm pretty familiar with her as an actress. So Aisha Tyler plays Jake's mom. I don't really know who the actress that plays Puck's mom, but we'll just say Puck's mom. Um, but the two of them were shooting daggers at one another across the table. Jake and Noah are sort of just, you know, excited that the, that the food is here. And uh, Puck's mom was just going to break the silence. You know, I saw you once. I saw you. You know, I, I came into the diner that you were working at and you served me the whole time. And you were so nice to me as if you didn't know exactly what was going on. And Aisha's like, I didn't know. 
He never told me that she, that he was married. He did not wear a wedding ring when we were together. And Noah's mom is like, oh, is that what you tell yourself to make yourself feel better? Puck shuts it down. Like, no, we're not doing this right now. Like, look, this dude, he walked out on all of us. Okay? He didn't give a shit about you. He didn't give a shit about Jake. He didn't give a shit about me. Like, it's just not... Like it, it, it all you guys spend all this time hating each other, keeping me and my brother apart for what? Because of this asshole that left all of us? Like screw that! And Jake is going to back his brother up. Like look, like this, this week with Puck was ridiculous, but it felt different. It felt different than being with a friend because we're family. We're a pretty fucked up family, but we're family nonetheless. And I want us all to come together. And Noah's uh, Noah's mom heard you know I see exterior is going to melt a little bit here and just say like look your father was such an ass Alicia's like yes an epic ass and so they have a toast to this epic ass that did one thing right in bringing them all together and I liked this I was a fan of this. yes and uh, I'm, a, I'm a little confused about like the technical stuff here because I think in general you take the religion of your mother I mean it's obviously like everybody does whatever they want to do in their own thing but like usually I think uh, whatever religion your mother follows is what you follow so both of them had Jewish moms is is what we're led to believe right well, well, I, I guess think that I think the dad is Jewish and I think I think mr. Puckerman is Jewish and uh, okay. Noah's mom is also Jewish and so he, I think Jake is just acknowledging the fact that his half of his family is Jewish, which that makes, makes him sense. Louis. Yeah, I mean, I'm one of many families. Uh, I know many, many, many families uh, are just like mine that celebrate both holidays. You know, regardless of which parent has which yeah, holiday isn't, or isn't which... one of your parents Jewish? Yes, my mom. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, it's that's what I've heard my whole life that you know it's whatever religion your mom is is the one that you generally follow. But everybody does their own thing. I mean, that's uh, not I think uh, <laughs> any kind of rule that anybody has to follow. Uh, but whatever. Point being, I also like this one as well. I think I would give this storyline only half a slushy um, because I really enjoyed it and um, I love seeing the Puckermans all together. I love this little come together at the end with the moms. It's it's a you know probably a relatable scene for just a, a few people out there but to see like like not this specific setup but just to have like a parent that is like resentment towards the other one for whatever reason and then it's like nice that they all kind of come around and they're like you know what that guy sucked anyway this you know this that we're all here we're in this moment let's just enjoy this let's just enjoy each other's company let's leave all the resentment behind it's the holidays anyway like yeah Jake and Puck uh Jake and Noah both had a really fun time together and they're obviously hitting it off as uh as brothers so yeah this is all good the number was good this is all good and yes yeah I'm uh I'm glad because we also get to see because it, it could be one thing to sort of like demonize their father and not really have any point of reference, but we did get to at least see that yeah, this th- their dad is actually an asshole. So it made it much easier for us to be on their side in this scene because he could just be like a nameless, faceless character that everybody hates. Um, but the fact that we actually get to see a little bit of his his assery, it was uh very easy to be on board with the four of these people. So Merry Hanukkah, bro! Right back at you, bro. Back at the school, Brittany is handing out lavish gifts. Merry Christmas, Marley. Here's a Rolex. Merry <laughs> Christmas, writer. <laughs> What's this? Here's a three-week vacation to San Tropez. Also, Merry Christmas, Tina. Brittany, what is this? That, that, these are the keys to your 2013 Toyota Camry. Uh, Brittany, what are you doing? Well, 
Uh, last week, I decided to watch a documentary about the Mayan apocalypse, which arrives on December 21st, 2012. So I decided to cash in all my savings so my friends and I could have or enjoy one or what's left of our lives to the fullest. So enjoy. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> I lost my mind laughing while this came up because I did not remember it. And all of a sudden, I'm just, you know, casually taking my notes. I look up at the screen. I see Brittany. I see Marley. And then Brittany just says, hi, Marley. Here's a Rolex. I was like, excuse me. <laughs> what did she just say? I went back and watched it again. I was like, um, and then I, it kind of, you know, triggered the memory of what was uh, to come. And then all of this. Yeah, Ryder, here's a three week vacation. Tina, here's a new car. I was like, oh, my God, where did she get this money? She broke into Lord Tubbington's bank account. She is robbing him. She has uh, look at all this money. She's just spending all of her savings on a brand new car, on a very expensive watch, a vacation. Um, this is very Britney. And you can't have a Christmas episode without Britney. Like, that's a lot of money. Like, OK, let's do the math here. A Rolex. How much is a Rolex? Just a regular ass Rolex. It's got to be at least, what, three hundred dollars. Oh, no. These, oh, these, oh, this shit is expensive. Yeah, that was like $300 does not sound like Oh my much. god, this shit is like $4,000. Yeah. For a watch? Why? Yeah. Oh my goodness, does it like can it take you to the future? Like I don't understand. That's a lot of fucking money. <laughs> I mean, I don't even wear a watch, let alone a $7,000 watch. I see one for 10,000. Holy shit. And now I'm going to get ads. Now I'm going to get ads for Rolex watches that I'm never going to buy. I'm going to get ads for this damn Toyota this? camera I just looked up. Okay, how much is this, John? <laughs> Why should you make it? Uh, $19,000. Okay, so that's, that's at least $25,000 mm-hmm. right there. And then... And the vacation's probably the cheapest one. Like, uh, as, as much as this place might be nice, uh, I just three-week vacation don't imagine it being as much as the other two. Is, by, on average, hmm, a package. Let's see that she got this package here. That's around... Your ads are going to be so funny for the rest of the day, into the rest of the week. <laughs> Give me a price, damn it! It's, it's, it's probably... It's probably uh, in the like thousands. It's probably like $3,000. $4,000. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, three weeks, actually. Three weeks is a long three, time. Three weeks is a long uh, time. Probably like four, five, six thousand. It's like around $30,000 that this girl just dropped. <laughs> yep. That's an entire first year of college at a cheaper college. Like, well... Listen, we got uh, we got bigger things coming up, bigger problems coming up than a uh, dropping all that money. The apocalypse is coming. Uh, it is December twenty first, or it is happening on December twenty first, twenty twelve, and the date of this episode being released is the thirteenth. But I think in this timeline, uh, we're still a few days. I don't know the exact date that this is happening, but um, yeah, Brittany is terrified. She is just absolutely uh, afraid of what's to come, and she just wants her last few days to be good. So she's making sure that all okay. of her friends, uh, Marley included, the girl that she doesn't even know her name, uh, are Now happy. be honest. Did you kind of like worry about December 21st, 2012? Um, uh, I don't think so. I don't think it was ever like truly on my mind but i'm sure that like the day of or the day before i'm sure everybody was a little on edge i i was i kind of bought into it just a little bit just a little bit i think like 89 percent of me was like this is this the the mayan people just died okay that's why the calendar stopped they they died (laughs) um and this is this is largely bullshit but that other 11 percent of me was like well i mean (laughs) no one ever really knows so who knows what's gonna happen Right. Yeah, no, I definitely wasn't at like 100% like, yeah, this is stupid. I'm sure it was like 
99 or so. Um, but then what was I going to say? Oh, uh, that we were the graduating class of that I year. I know. Uh, we were but, also you know, pissed. We were like, that so, means that we spent our entire fucking year, our, our, all of our lives in school. Like what kind of shitty existence is that? I pushed really hard for our t-shirts to say class of 2012, last class ever, but they wouldn't do it. <laughs> they didn't want you guys uh, putting propaganda out there. Yeah. Save the best for last. Save the best for last. That was a good What one. did we do? We had like, we spelled out seniors, but we made the R a one and a two for 12. I did that too. And I thought that I created that for like the entire universe because I remember I sat down in like 2010 or 11 or so. And I was thinking because I saw all the other seniors that had their cool designs on their shirts. And one day I just sat down, I think I was on the computer and I still have the, I still have the picture somewhere on my computer. And I just made that with the R turning the R into a one and a two. And I put that into like some stupid design. And I was like, once it started popping up, Yo, more often, you were I was a like, nobody gave me credit. For you that. were a hype. You were like, bitch, I'm a visionary. I like made this whole image (laughs) and then then everybody else found it on their own and uh, nobody cared and uh, yeah well at least for that brief time I was like I am a genius I'm going to be the genius the Britney (laughs) can't nobody tell me shit a one and a two is actually an R no one else thought of it yes (laughs) how how I fell from grace after that Sam is going to come up to Brittany and ask her, um, he's going to ask to ask her a question. And she's like, well, not if you're going to tell me that the Mayan apocalypse isn't real because the documentary I watched was on the History Channel involving real actors portraying real events. And Sam's like, no, listen, I believe it too. And he's going to take her into this uh, empty classroom where he has this entire diagram that I didn't even bother like trying to follow. But essentially, a bunch of math, a bunch of figures, a bunch of scenarios that all mean that the Mayan apocalypse is actually going to occur. And he's feverish. He's slamming a yardstick down. He's flipping over uh, chalkboards. He's, he's got it all down to science, okay? It's, it's just a fact. Brittany is terrified. Um, and Sam was like, yeah, we only have a, a few days left to live. And uh, she's like, yeah, you know what? We really should spend our last couple of days just really telling everyone what they need to know and telling them how we really feel about them. Um, so the two of them are going to invite some of the Glee kids to the first uh, 2012 Mayan Apocalypse Clubs. And they're like, wait, that's what this shit is? So it's Jake, Ryder, Tina, uh, Joe, and Marley. Um, Sam was like, don't worry. It's also going to be the last meeting. Um, Brittany says, because we're all so close, Sam and I wanted to bring you here so we could finally tell you our true feelings about you. Tina, acting as a pipe dream, uh, dream for you and your decision to pursue it is both irresponsible and shocking. Joe, you haven't really made an impression on me, and I don't really know what your deal is. They've had enough. They're like, wait, this is the worst club. You're just going to, like, we're supposed to just sit here and let you guys insult us? Um, and because Marley says that and Brittany's like, no, I actually wasn't going to insult you. I was just going to tell you that you're really lovely and I find you delightful. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why this is getting me, but it, it gets me because we, we've just been paying attention now that, uh, they were talking about, Sue was saying that she's like, I don't know what to say to you, you bright eyed, beautiful blue eyed girl. And now <laughs> Brittany's on the same page. She's like, I had nothing bad to say about you. I just think that you're delightful. I'm here for the Marley slander. I am. <laughs> I love it. The, what slander? There's no slander. 
it's just the the meanest thing that people can say to her. You would think that like I mean a lot of people have been saying mean things to her about her mom or whatever, but like the people who were like trying to be nice to her, I not even Sue's not trying to be nice to her. There were just some people who can't process anything other than you are beautiful, delightful, intelligent amazing the new rachel better than rachel see I that's why I'm like, this has to be a joke like the you. way that this like marley's character is written it has to be a joke because they are clearly like offering up their own commentary on it and i'm i live for it each time because yes it's tell really the good. truth tell the truth sam can't believe how naive they are and Brittany's like i know some people just can't face the cold hard fact that this earth is really just the back of a giant crocodile that dis- that's destroyed and gets recreated every 500 years sam says well at least we have each other and since the world is going to end before Christmas, in the meantime, this will have to do. Uh, and so Sam has enlisted the band and a few of the Cheerios and puts on a performance of Jingle Bell Rock for Chris, uh, for Brittany. And I love this. Giddy up, Jingle. Yeah, it was it was really cute. Uh, we haven't seen many Cordova Street performances this season. Um besides with Britney, he had, I think literally two this season uh, and he's been with Britney both times, at least, you know, just Sam. And that's surprising to me still, given how Sam is still going to be a big part of the show for the remainder of its run, you know, season five, season six, he's going to be hanging around and uh, it still feels like he's like not as utilized as I thought I remembered, but Hey, whatever. Um, We'll get there eventually. So yeah, but for now, He's just uh, Jingle Bell rocking out with the Cheerios, and uh, it's a pretty cute number in the library. Uh, Brittany, I wonder, like, I always wonder, like, uh, the Cheerios that are not involved in the number. I'm like, how do they all keep this a secret from Brittany that they were? Well, actually, I fully take that back. It's not, cannot be that hard to keep things. (laughs) Not at all. Um, But... But, uh, yeah, so I don't know why that thought even crossed my mind. Uh, But, yeah, it's good. And uh, they're just going to be celebrating that the world is ending, but they have time with each other, which leads to a little something crazy. Yes. Sam, at the end of his performance, is going to step down to Brittany, get on his knee, open up a little box with a little ring, and proposes. Brittany, before the world ends, will you will you marry me? And we don't immediately get an answer from her, but she doesn't have to because the next scene... Is the two of them getting married in the locker room, and who should be marrying them? Matt, who's marrying these love this lovely couple? It is our lovely Coach Beast, the uh, the person that makes the most sense to marry these two. Because um, why would Coach Beast, Coach, Sha- Coach Shannon Beast, not be marrying these two high school kids? Of course, it just makes total sense. I don't know what the hell is happening here, um, but. Sure, let's go along with it. Sam and Brittany, uh, this is the most Sam and Brittany thing that I guess could happen. I don't know why Sam feels the need to propose, uh, you know, a friendship ring or a wedding ring to random Cheerios that he becomes close with over the years. First Quinn, now Brittany. <laughs> but that's what we have here. He's a so traditional uh, guy. Sam is on another. <laughs> yes, Sam is on another proposal, and Coach Beast has shown up to marry marry them as uh, she did all the necessary work behind the scenes uh, to get ordained. And now she is ready to marry them, but only if they're really serious. Yeah, and Sam is serious because he wants them to meet the uh, feathered snake god together. So Beast is going to ask them to put their hands on the Mayan Bible, I guess. And so they give their vows. Brittany, I've always thought you were super hot and really smart. Uh, but what I didn't know was that you were going to end up my soulmate. And who knows what the future holds for us? Probably tsunamis and horrible sea monsters. But now I'm not worried about that because I have you. And so Brittany is going to say, Sam, when you first joined the Glee Club, 
I didn't notice for a while. <laughs> it wasn't until you did a Rich Little impression and then told me it was a Rich Little impression and explained who Rich Little was that I just, I knew you were <laughs> special. And I can't tell you how excited I am to become your Mayan star wife. You may kiss your bride. Under the mistletoe, they Yay! go for <laughs> Yes, they kiss. Uh, the mistletoe is hanging overneath them. And at the end of this, they uh, they are now married. And Sam says, yeah, it's December 18th, three days until the end. So let's make this time count. So uh, dream wedding for both of them in a locker room with their football coach, uh, you know, doing all of the work to get them to this point. And what else is there to do? I mean, well, there's only three days left. You might as well spend them together with somebody you love and care about. Um, we t- just watched an episode where, you know, the Britannia fans were spoken to directly in the episode about, can you guys please take it easy? Um, Santana is not here right now. And, you know, Brittany is fa- finding love and comfort in another place. And we went from, you know, a light little kiss to a marriage. And I do not even want to know what the message boards were like. I know, right? They really just laid it on thick. They were like, oh, they're broken up. Now she's married. Like, let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's go, honey. They probably weren't uh, pleased. But... They're, they're going to be fine because uh, Sam and Brittany are going to wake up, I guess, after a night of drinking a bunch of energy drinks and Coca-Cola and who else knows what the hell they were doing. But it's December 22nd. The world didn't end. And they're also married. So they're just kind of sc- screwed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not in the plans. Uh, listen, these two, you wanted it, and uh, that's what you're going to have to live with. Uh, this entire storyline will get a half slushy for me. <laughs> I, I can agree with that. Half slushy. Fine. <laughs> uh, Coach Beast is in charge of the Secret Santa uh, amongst the staff this year, and Sue is going to begrudgingly decide to participate. And so Beast hands her the hat, and she picks out a name. And she's like, who the hell is Millie Rose? Beast like it's that really sweet lady, the uh the, the, the big lunch lady. She's so kind. I think her, uh, one of her kids is in the Glee Club. Um, we're gonna cut over to Sue's office where she is attempting to please Becky by giving her a bunch of gifts. Uh, Becky pulls out of uh, the uh swe- sweater from Benetton. Um, that she's like, no, I've already I already got one of these, Coach. I want something that I don't already have. And uh, Coach is like, uh, Sue Sylvester's like, well, who? Like, what? Like, I don't I don't know what else to get you. Like. What, like, what else do you want? He's like, I want a hot piece of ass or a snowmobile. And so uh, Coach Sue was like, you know what? You're not the only person that I have to shop for. I have to get that uh, big lunch lady something. And I don't know what to get the woman who's eaten everything. <laughs> so she's really, really struggling here. I guess she's going to go over to see Millie and ask her herself. But she can't because she's going to overhear a, a conversation of between Millie and Marley, and they're talking about the bulimia. She's saying, like, Marley, we're not getting anything for Christmas this year, not even a tree, we're not getting any gifts. I need to spend all of my money and all of my time making sure that you have the proper health care, proper mental health care, so that you can understand just how beautiful and how perfect that you are. I'll be damned if I spend $50 on a Christmas tree when a therapy session is $200, like, which is criminal, by the way. That's just fucking crazy. But, um, yeah, we need for you to be as healthy as possible. So no Christmas, no trees, none of that. I don't make a lot of money here. That just is what it is. But if you want to give me a gift, 
just sing me something. Um, and Wanda's going to sit down and sing the first Noel for her mom. Acapulco, um, the whole while Sue is watching and listening and is clearly touched by this. Acapulco? That's how my friends and I used to say acapella. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what am I missing? Sorry, the Pits- the Pittsburgh jumped out. <laughs> no, it's a thing. I just haven't heard that before. <laughs> yeah, this whole thing is adorable. Of course, it starts off with Becky being uh, being Becky. And how many times can I praise the Becky? Uh, Give me something. She had like a bunch of gifts because when she throws that down, you see like a mountain of other bags and boxes. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, bitch. Yeah. Sue went through a lot of gifts already. Becky didn't like any of them. Uh, she just wants a hot piece of ass. Like, that's all. Is it so hard to, to find? Uh, but. I guess Sue's not down to uh, to find. Why that are you buying her. sweaters but for yeah, her anyway? When you don't, you stuff? forbid your Cheerios to wear anything other than their fucking Cheerios uniform, even in the dead of winter. <laughs> like, right, right. Uh, but yeah, then we get into this Marley and Millie stuff, which is going to be our final storyline of the episode, the fifth one here. And yeah, I mean, we were talking about in the last episode and you know some previous episodes about how the Marley storyline doesn't feel like it's going in, like it got a, a full conclusion in the last one where she fainted and then it was like, okay, she's better or she's getting better. But now we're actually seeing that she is getting help, uh, that she is working on this and, you know, especially her mom is invested in helping them and, you know, they don't have money. They don't have a lot. Uh, they, you know, she's working as a school lunch lady and, uh, you know, suggesting that that is not paying very well, which is not too surprising given, uh, you know, America. Um, and yeah, so this is, uh, one of those moments where Sue is going to be shown in a very nice light as she is just obviously taking note of what's happening with Marley and Millie and is, uh, you know, something in her heart is starting to melt and she's got, other plans for the two of them, or for at least, you know, her secret Santa. Uh, so, I mean, it's a good thing she got her for secret Santa, because otherwise she would have had to do a good deed for somebody unwarranted. Mm-hmm. Over in there, she's going to tell Becky this um, in the choir room, which is now the new rehearsal space for the chairs. They're all decorating. And she's like, you know what? I've been so self-centered. I've been so selfish this holiday season. And this beautiful Christmas tree that we have is, is, is wonderful, but did I really have to cut down a 7,000-year-old bristlecone pine just to hang up some ornaments on it? You know, so you know what? I have a friend that's in the uh, luxury toothpick business, so we're going to sell him this tree, and we're going to give all the proceeds to a really, really good cause. And we're going to see uh, Millie on Christmas morning. She's going to scream for her daughter to come downstairs. Molly, get down here. And uh, in their living room is a fully decorated Christmas tree with all sorts of presents underneath and even a stocking ornament with like $800 inside. Um, Millie's like, I was going to call the police because I saw the back door with Jimmy to open, but then I saw all of this. And they're just, they're just elated. Molly's going to get the sweater from Benetton that Becky did not want. And it's just a beautiful Christmas miracle. And they're going to hug and everything. And Molly's like, we probably should still call the police, though. <laughs> Right? Like, damn, like somebody just broke into your house and they did like the best possible thing that somebody could do when they break into somebody's house. But like, damn, call the police. I don't know. Figure something out. Get uh, this isn't this isn't a good thing. There's probably a catch. I would be like, there's totally a catch. This isn't just here for us. Like somebody's still outside the door waiting for us to settle in and relax and uh, enjoy the comforts of our new gifts while they're going to come inside and kill us. Like this isn't good, Um, but it is good. It is good. It is nicely 
uh, done well-intentioned from Sue. It is a gift from her heart that she has. Uh, where the hell did she get this giant-ass expensive tree? It looked like a piece of the Animal Kingdom tree uh, that she like ripped off to use as a... 7,000-year-old uh, bristlecone pine. Where do those even grow? You are going to have such funny ads at the end of this day. Um, and I can't wait for that. Yeah, I don't know. But they're definitely expensive. And she's getting some money out of it. She's getting $800. Pines grow in scattered sub, sub-alpine sub groves at high altitude in arid regions of the western United States. Bristle cones, along with all the related species and cats, pin, uh, blah, 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 blah. So west, the, the, east, the west coast, essentially. Okay. Sounds about in right. Um, maybe Puck and Jake brought them back brought the tree back with them after they came back from uh yeah from la on their way back to ohio um yeah i mean it's uh just it's really cute and you know this whole overall storyline is gonna get another um hmm, zero slushies or half a slushie uh as i mentioned i really enjoyed all of these i feel like this one i'll give a half a slushie because as adorable as it is and really nice for sue um I don't know. Maybe it goes a little a little quicker than the other ones, than the early ones in the episode. And, it is pretty uh, if, fast, yeah. Yeah, it happens really fast. And the ones at the beginning are just like really like the first one is just adorable um, with the fun stuff they were doing with Artie. And then the second one is so like heartwarming. And this one is really good. But I'll get, yeah, half a slushy. Nobody cares. I'm just doing this for myself. No, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I mean, I like um, them all because they're, you know, it's, it's it, for Christmas – I really don't need for things to be that deep. You know what I mean? Like, and that's not, not saying that you do. I'm just saying, like, Christmas is all. I think the one of the things that I love the most about Christmas is just the sentimentality of it all and the fanfare of it all. And so if you can just give me that, I'm good. Like, I'm along for the ride the entire time. So I was a fan of that storyline. Mm-hmm. Back at Breadsticks, Aisha and Mrs. Puckerman are trading war stories over um, Mr. Puckerman. Uh, Aisha's going to say, you know, I should have known that it was over when he started trying to pick up my sister at her fucking baby shower. So they're, you know, laughing and having a good time. Noah and Jake are looking over at them saying, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that our moms are getting along. It's a true Hanukkah miracle. This is great. And Jake says, you know what? I'm really going to miss you when you go back to L.A. And Noah's like, well, you know, I really been thinking I'm a screenwriter. I can write anywhere. And uh, I think that really someone should be here to take care of you and our mom. So a lot of my uh, pool cleaning clients would probably take me back. And Jake's like, so you're going to move back? And he's like, well, yeah, I think I I should probably relocate. So Puck is coming back to Lima. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Yay. Uh, Yeah. Cool. Whatever. Sure. (gasps) On the other side of the restaurant, um, Beast is letting uh, Sam and Brittany know that they aren't actually married. They don't have to worry. The Mayan, there, there aren't any, uh, any more Mayan churches. The Mayans were wiped out 500 years ago by the conquistadors and smallpox. Sam was like, that's like chicken's pox, but smaller. Um, he said, look, when I heard the two of you were getting married, I thought to myself, these kids are two special kids. The last thing we need is another teen tragedy of marrying too young, popping out a couple of kids before you're 20, and ending up with your faces blurred out on an episode of Cops. <laughs> and Brittany's like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I'm, that you know, that I'm with Sam, but I just feel like I feel really empty since the world didn't end. Like everything was so energized and really, really cool those last few days, and now that nothing has happened, it just I kind of like miss that feeling of 
you know, heightened energy. I guess that kind of makes Beast sad. So she pretends that she got a Google alert about the Mayan calendar. It turns out that they found another one, and the real end of the world is December 21st, 2014. Indiana Jones found it. Yay! So now you, they have two more years of telling everyone how they honestly feel about them. So. It's literally just like dealing with two little children at this point. Like, Sam and Brittany, um, you know, we, we talked about how Sam just kind of got made stupid this year, which is like, whatever, uh, mm-hmm. just to really bring him to Brittany's level and just keep them on the same, you know, same wavelength and just kind of have them almost be like, you know, have him be like almost an identical character, like copying off of her at a certain point. Um, like, he's definitely not on her level of, you know, silliness, I guess is the nice way to put it. Um, But he's definitely, you know, getting down there. And I think the two are a fun pair for the time being. It's like, you know, it doesn't need to be permanent, but um, I'm having fun with the two of them. Like one Britney is fun, two Britney is even better. I'm enjoying it too. It's a, it's a, yeah, we've talked about it. It's a departure from the usual Sam, but you know, it's fine. I I like Sam and Britney together. I'm a fan of Bram. Bram. Mm -hmm. Um, Back in New York. Blaine and Bert are watching the basketball game together. Kurt's going to come to sit down and ask who's winning. They tell him the Celtics are. And then there's like this awkward silence. So Kurt is just sitting there trying to watch the game. Not really, though. But Bert and Blaine are like awkward looking over at Kurt, um, like doing some side eyes. So time goes by. And then Kurt's like, okay, I try. And he goes for the magazine. And Bert's like, yeah, I told you. 20 seconds. He couldn't even last 20 seconds. You may have dated him, but I raised him. Like, pay up. So I guess they were betting to see how long uh, Kurt could stand watching uh, the basketball game before he opens up the the magazine. And I wonder how long he uh, said he could last. Because, like, Blaine's going to be like, I couldn't, why can't you just wait for, like, a few more seconds? So I'm guessing he probably said, like, 25 or 30 seconds before. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely only put a few more seconds up, and he was hoping that, you know, just a couple more seconds, he would have won the bet. But Bert's like, nope, I know him way better than you. Sorry. <laughs> he tried. He tried. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Pay up, Anderson. One of, my, one of my favorite pictures that my dad has ever taken is, uh, there's like some big game going on. I think it might be the Super Bowl, actually. And I'm like eight years old or something, and my mom and my sister are like screaming at the top of their lungs, like cheering and like waving their terrible towels for the Steelers and everything, and I'm just sitting there on the floor, like, non-fucking-plussed. Like, I I don't give a shit. Like, you couldn't tell me anything. Like, fuck the game, fuck football, fuck sports. So I am so on uh, Kurt's side here. I just I just can't do it. I don't know, y'all. I just can't get into it. It just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah. At I, all. <laughs> I think we can all relate to Kurt in a moment like this. <laughs> um, Bert's going to ask Blaine, so, you know, what's the plan now? You're a senior. What, what are you going to do when you graduate? And Blaine says, well... Um, I don't want to do anything to make uh, Kurt uncomfortable, but I was thinking about applying to Niata, and he asked Kurt if that would be okay. Kurt doesn't respond immediately, but he says, you know what, I think that'd be great. So they seem to be on the mend here, and that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's good to see them, you know, back together. We already saw that they had had a little bit of a phone call that really brought them back together. I mean, Isabel was really the one who pushed for that to happen, so I guess this credit somewhat goes to her as much as it is also going to Bert here. Um, the two of them, you know, they they are best friends. They made that very clear to each other that they still care about each other. It's you know the closest thing I think if we're, if we're still going to rank the couples as to how they're handling the breakup. Uh, Britannia Anna still seems to be number one, even though Brittany's moving on. Um, or I don't know, maybe maybe uh, Clayton is taking the lead.
lead now because they're like getting close to being back together. But that doesn't mean that it's like less healthy than what Brittany and Santana are doing. So um, either way, those two are, you know, far ahead of uh, Finn and Rachel, who uh, were making some progress in the last episode, but still not quite there yet. And then Will and Emma just down at the bottom because who cares? Yeah, I mean, I don't know why Blaine makes the decision to go to Niata. Because is it just really about Kurt? Because that's kind of irresponsible. Because, like, if you're just following him around, like, there are plenty of... I mean, obviously, Blaine is going to go to a school that's for, for, for performing arts, right? Like, that's, like, his shtick. He, he's just like Rachel and Kurt. He wants to perform. But there are so many other schools besides Niata. Like, I get that it's supposed to be, you know, he's going to follow him so that we can follow Blaine because it's a TV show. But, like, really? Like, you're just going to follow the two of them to Niata? What about... Tish School of the Arts. What about Juilliard? What about Pace? What about Ma- or Marymount Manhattan College? What about NYU? What about all these motherfucking places? I don't know. It's just You can still go to New York. You just don't have to go to Niada. Well, this- he wants to follow his boy from one school to the next. Sounds like something he's done before. Yeah. All right. Well, fine. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it's fine. It's a, it's, a, it's a plan. Kurt doesn't mind. He asks him. He says, sure. Why not? We'll do it. Back at the school, Millie's going to come and see Sue in her office um, and say, you know what? I just want to thank you for what you did for Marley and me. Sue says, I have no idea what you're talking about. I had nothing to do with the making of that film, which never fails to make me cackle when she says that. Um, Millie says, I bribed Becky Jackson with candy and she told me everything. You're very, very generous, but I'm afraid I can't accept this money. And Sue says, well, you and I both know how hard it is to be a single mother. Um, so take the money and make sure that that daughter of yours gets better. And Millie is going to take it back on the verge of tears. Um, and she says, Mel, if you excuse me, please sidestep your way out of yourself out of this office. I'm like, damn, Sue, like, God, can you just be nice for like two seconds? Mm-hmm. Um, but Millie's like, you know what, can you, would you come with me actually? Um, is Marley wanted to say thank you too, and Sue says, "Does this involve the Glee Club singing a Christmas song in the auditorium with snow falling on an elaborate winter scene?" <laughs> Millie doesn't respond. <laughs> uh, she rolls her eyes and comes along with her. Um, she's like, "Yep," yeah. and so they go to the, the uh, auditorium, and there they are, all dressed in white, on an elaborate Christmas scene. Snow's not falling yet, but it's coming, bitch, and. Marley says, you know, Coach, so I just wanted to really thank you for what you did for my mom and I. So I called Artie and he helped pull all of this together. And Sue says, well, it's a testament of how little you know me if you think that this is something that I would enjoy. But nevertheless, they start singing and it's one of my favorite Christmas songs. I think if not my favorite Christmas song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. And so we're going to have the Glee kids singing to Sue. Puck and Jake are singing to their moms and they're going to be joined by uh sam and Brittany, kurt and blaine are singing together as they're about to sit down to have christmas dinner in new york and it's just a bunch of merriment and happiness and cuteness and loveliness and holidayness and love and light and air and music and beauty and everything and i love it an air <laughs> i love it i love the scene i mean look uh, i don't know uh what else there is to say about these scenes where sue is being like a nice person it's just like 
she's doing a good thing. Obviously that, uh, you know, that's, that's how they like to go with her every once in a while. These Christmas episodes can be uh, total Grinch or they can be like this last time she was helping out a bunch of kids and wanted all the Glee kids to come. So it does seem like something about Christmas, especially in the years, you know, following the death of her sister, have her heart, you know, opened up a little bit to helping people that need it in one way or another. So she did that last year and she's doing it again this year. And Millie is, uh, you know, really appreciative of it. And, you know, I think, Probably a lot of people uh, in that spot would feel hesitant about keeping the money. You know, that's like that's probably just the move in general to at least offer like, thank you so much. But like, I can't keep this. It's eight hundred dollars that I didn't even do. Like, we're not friends. I didn't do anything for you. Like, you, you don't owe me this. Um, so I, I can easily see like the guilt of keeping that. So, you know, it's nice that she does end up, you know, she was like, no, no, you keep it. I it's fine, especially if you're going to use it to get that kid some help, uh, you know, she saw what happened with Marley. She knows she knows what's going on there. So that's nice. And then we go into, yeah, this final number, which is uh, pretty cute. I like everybody's outfits. Everybody does look very good and Christmassy. Uh, literally all of them just like dressed very nice in the white outfits. And I don't know. It's just uh, a very nice end to the episode. As Sue said at the beginning, she's like five storylines that will somehow, were, uh, you know, weave their ways in and out of one another towards the end. So you do get a couple of little crossovers with the uh, the Puckermans and Sam and Brittany being together. And then you have, I guess, all the Glee kids uh, over with Sue and uh, not that Kurt's really interwoven into this at all, but he and Blaine and Bert are having a wonderful little thanks- uh, Thanksgiving, a wonderful little Christmas <laughs> together. Yeah, it's really, really nice. Becky starts to make the snow fall. They're all smiling, having a good time. Even Sue is enjoying it because, you know, how can you not enjoy something like this? And yeah. Yeah, she's smiling ear to ear by the end of this. So Mm -hmm. uh, like not just like a half smile, not just like I'm dealing with this smile, like a very big like this is cute and I'm happy that I came to watch this number smile. Especially Merry Christmas. They took she took such a glee and the glee club being disbanded. Right. So, like, the fact that they were able to do this for her, you know, shining optimism all the way through. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. I'm watching it as we're talking about it. And I'm just, I just love this shit. I'm such a sucker for this shit. Ah! All right. Favorite songs. (laughs) Feliz Navidad. Artie. White Christmas. Blaine and Kurt. Hanukkah. Oh, Hanukkah. Jake and Noah Puckerman. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Sam and the Cheerios. The first Noel. Marley. And have yourself a merry little Christmas with Kurt Hummel, The New Directions, and Puck. (laughs) You missed one. What did I miss? All I Want for Christmas is You, sang by Amon. Oh. (laughs) Of course. And All I Want for Christmas is You, Amon (laughs) Atwin. Well, I couldn't have you just leave off my favorite song from the list. Aw. Oh, uh, no. Sorry. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> wow. My Bait favorite song. Switch. <laughs> that was fucked up. From this episode is... It's uh, down to Feliz Navidad and Hanukkah O Hanukkah. Um, those are going to be my top two, but I'll give it to Hanukkah O Hanukkah. The Puckerman brothers coming together here. I've always been high on uh, on the Puck performances in general and uh, obviously high on the Jake ones as well. So the two of them combining for Hanukkah O Hanukkah was a lot of fun to me. Hmm. This is so hard for me because 
I'm a big fan of these songs in general because I blast them every holiday season. So I'm trying to differentiate what's my favorite Christmas song out of these and what's my favorite Glee performance out of these. I really do enjoy Jingle Bell Rock by Sam. And Sam doesn't get like a lot of favorite songs from us. Ugh, but Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is just like crack to me. <laughs> it's almost like picking two is is an option, but I don't know. You know what? Fine. Because it's the holidays, in 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 this in the Christmas spirit, I'm going to gift myself an extra choice for favorite song, and I'm going to give it to Jingle Bell Rock and Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. This feels groundbreaking because I have one and you have more than one. Okay, I'm going to move on before I change my mind. Slushy ratings! <laughs> Slushy ratings. Man, um, man, 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 oh, man, oh, man. Uh, this episode really, as I was watching it, felt like zero slushy. And I'm not saying it's not. I just never in my wildest dreams would have felt while I would have looked ahead and thought that I could give a Christmas episode a zero slushy rating. I just didn't think I enjoyed them. And it's not even like I was like, oh, yeah, over the years, like, I don't care about the Christmas episodes, but... I like this one in particular. I just didn't remember any of them enough because I don't pay them much attention. Like I don't play the music of the Christmas episodes while I'm playing back the rest of the music from the rest of the show. So, you know, it just, it doesn't come up for me as much, but I think this was a zero slushy episode. I enjoyed all of it. I really, really enjoyed it. I think all five storylines were good and it didn't need to have great, great music, uh, you know, which I mean, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying it didn't. It just, you know, this isn't my I'm not a Christmas music guy um, or even a Hanukkah music guy. So um, but I did enjoy all the performances. I enjoyed the storylines and I'm going to do it. I'll give it a zero slushies. I liked it. Oh, my God. This is crazy. It's a Christmas miracle. Because I'm also gonna give it zero slushies. Yeah, it it um I think because I think part of the reason why you probably enjoyed it a bit more was I mean the story was a bit engaging. They were quick, they were funny. I mean you get some comedy in there with Sam and Brittany, you get, you know, the sentimentality of it all because it's you know the holiday season and you get some character development with uh Noah and Jake. Noah makes a decision to come back to Lima for the remainder of the season. Um Bert, you know, he has prostate cancer, but he's not down and out. Um, but it's something to 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 look out for so it just you know the story gets enriched and i feel like it it's it's less about the christmas fanfare and more about the characters at during christmas time you know what i mean whereas the other specials are just christmas 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 but this is a little bit more balanced of an episode so um i think that it just and they get away with like the quickness of the storylines because it's supposed to be likely actually so or love actually right so you um you're able to like forgive them for literally skating through some of these stories yeah Exactly. It's like the perfect amount. And as, uh, you know, as noticed from as we went along, uh, both of us enjoyed it. And I, you know, gave my enjoyment in the form of slushies along the way. And I gave out, you know, zero, zero, and then three half slushies to the rest of the other three. So um, it was it was really good. I mean, the first two alone are just I was like, if the episode continues like this, then it's going to be a zero slushy episode overall. And it did. Mm-hmm. It was just adorable. Like you said, with the comedic stuff with Sam and Brittany along the way and then just uh, the Puckermans together. Everything was just it was great. It was great. I loved it. I love it. Gold star. Now, this is tough. This is not as easy as the last. Uh, yeah. The last we get, category. We get like the same amount of time with almost all the characters. 
We do. So it does feel hard. like there's obvious choices on the board. And then it feels like there's, you know, more under the radar picks. I think the one that stands out the most to me is, I think, obviously going to have to be Sue, uh, just because of how the final storyline works with everything she does for Marley and Millie. And anytime that she does, like, you know, a really good deed for the Glee Club, I feel like we always tend to be, you know, inclined to re- reward her with a gold star. Um, but there's other options here. For me, I'm looking at Kurt. I'm looking at Bert. Um, then again, I don't know what Kurt himself did. I think more of that was on Bert for showing up and, you know, giving the two of them, Blaine and Kurt, a very nice Christmas together and, you know, imparting some wisdom on Kurt as he was, uh, you know, he just got this terrible diagnosis and was coming to Kurt to, you know, confide in him and also just give him some like, you know, this is teaching me things, not just bringing me down. So... Between Bert, Sue, I don't know if Artie, I mean, Artie, Artie I have still on my list here, but I think more of the credit for what happens with Artie in this episode is reflected in my slushy. So I don't know if he needs to get the star. Um, where are you at? Do you know your answer? No, I'm like thinking about everything I'm trying to figure out. You know what? I mm. Do you have other names aside from Sue and Bert? Yes. Who else? I'm kind of thinking about Puck. Brings the families together. He uh, brings Jake on an epic ride around L.A., but then again, uh, kind of gets caught with his pants down when they get like, there. I like that he's like really like being a big brother. You know what I mean? Because like they could easily like throw this away and not really have like just kind of have him pop in whenever. But it, like it seems like he really is actually interested in having a relationship, like a real relationship with his brother, and I like that a lot. I'm also kind of well. I mean, she didn't really do much this episode until the very end. I'm kind of thinking about Millie just just a little bit. Just I think it's mainly because I just like Millie as a character. But like I'm I, I, I kind of like the, like how she's how stern she is. I mean she's she's being a good mom because I don't want to like reward her for being a mother. But like she's like nah bitch we're not Ugh. we're not buying no fucking Christmas tree. We're not buying no Christmas presents. You're going to a fucking therapist, bitch. Like are you are you crazy? Like <laughs> and I kind of appreciate that. And yeah, like, I mean, you're very suit. welcome to reward her for being a mother. We reward Bert for being a good father. That's true. That's true. You know what? Fuck it. I'm giving my shit to Millie. She made me smile in this episode. I like that she dragged Sue to the uh, auditorium at the end. And Millie's not really going to get any stars. And she's been going through the ringer this entire season, okay? So I'm giving it to Millie, goddammit. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, she, and she's not going to be, you know, um, a, a present character in the whole show. So, yeah, like you said, give it, get it in while, uh, while you can there. Um, but I'm still torn between Sue and Bert. I feel like a case could easily be made for both of them. Sue's is way more obvious uh, as to why it would be a star for her. Bert's is just, like I said, it was so emotional um, at the beginning scene. But maybe again, maybe that whole thing is reflected in the storytelling and the storyline of it all where, um, you know, in my Zero Slushy, I gave it um, because of that scene and because of those two characters interacting. So maybe it's rather than nice picking... It's also nice to see family during the Christmas special, right? Because we usually don't see any right. family during it. Right. Um, and it's like a, you know, a very nice nice family scene, the same as uh, it turns out to be with the Puckermans. So, 
you know, um, that's also nice. But I guess, yeah, I think instead of picking between Bert and Kurt, I'll use the same rationale that I used for Artie. Acknowledge that that was a good part of the story and my zero slushy rating. And I'll just give it to what seems like an obvious answer, but I'll give it to Sue. Um, what she does, what she does for Marley and Millie at the end is obviously, you know, very, uh, very admirable. And, you know, her at the end is just funny with Becky. And then she's like, uh, you're really going to take me to another New Directions number where they're going to sit there and sing with snow falling from the sky and some song I don't really care about. And then she sits there and she enjoys it and she has a smile on her face. So a uh, good episode for Sue. So we'll go with that. Damn, I thought we were about to give them to the parents of the episode. Bert and Millie. But then again, Sue is a parent now. So Yeah, I was going to say, Sue's a parent. <laughs> All right. Sue and Millie coming in strong with the, uh, with the gold Christmas stars. Yes. Um... Yes, I love this episode. I'm I'm really excited, and it's made me even more excited for. I say this every single time we're done with the Christmas special. I'm like, I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> so, yeah, Glee actually was a major success. In it was my actually book. pretty good. It was actually good. Like it was <laughs> actually. <laughs> yeah, right. I. I... Can, did you ever believe that I would ever have given a zero slushy no. uh, rating? I didn't to see a Christmas that coming episode? at all. Me either. I thought I thought that you would have enjoyed this better, but I didn't expect zero slushies, so that warms my heart. There are probably there are probably people that were relying on you to be the humbug that you are, and they're like, "Fuck you, Matt!" Like, no, like they probably turned that shit off as soon as you said it. <laughs> I, you know what? They were if like, they Next are, episode. then I'm sorry. But look, it was just it got me. Um, they they. You know, Glee always has multiple storylines going through. Every show does. Um, you know, you usually, you know, you bounce back from one to the other to the other. Maybe there's like three main storylines and then you keep rotating throughout the episode, keeping it kind of fresh. But what they did here was, you know, and, and I get this isn't an original idea. I get they were completely copying off of Love Actually, but whoever had the idea to do that. Uh, you know, in the writer's room, it was a good one. I thought that it played out really well. They got to create five unique, uh, not unique, unique, uh, five unique different storylines for, uh, you know, different ways we could go with this. And they did not need to have their stars in the episode, which I feel like is also another thing that I bring up on a lot of zero slushy episodes like they don't always need to have the big names around doing you know rachel things or santana mm -hmm. things or mercedes things they can have just they know what the pieces they have are and they work well and they write for it and it, it, it sometimes it's good mm -hmm. yeah i agree i agree they use what they use what they had and they did it well and i i appreciate it I feel like one one note that I will make is that they sort of overhyped the, the Terry return because I remember watching the trailer for the episode um, after the the end of Swan Song and they showed her and they were like, in the return of Terry. And we were like, oh my God, like what's going to happen? And then it was just that short little scene. I was like, oh, you bitches. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And that, that that's another thing. Even though we didn't get much of her, that contributes to the zero slushies. Just getting the return of Rory and Terry, like that's iconic. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Yeah. Love it. Definitely, definitely good stuff. I can't believe I gave Rory the gold star last Christmas. I should have. I could. He was clearly a contender for this one, but whatever. Um, that's gonna wrap up this episode of the Choir Room. Thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, if you are listening during the holidays, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Ramadan, Happy New Year, all of that good stuff. Um, I know I'll be listening to this. That's what the I was gonna say. I was so. like, I know that you just said you were going to start listening during the holidays. So I'm like, are you wishing this to yourself so that you feel more I'm in the holiday spirit I'm literally talking to myself. Yes, I'm talking to are. myself. I am talking to <laughs> myself.
yourself. You got me. It's fine. Caught. Gotcha. You can follow us at Choir Room Pod on Twitter. Also follow us individually. I'm at Matt Ligori. I'm at I'm on Adwin. <laughs> Matt is at Matt Ligori. Leave us star ratings and reviews. We'll read them aloud on the show. Yeah. Anything else, Matt? That is it. That is the end of season four, part one. We are, uh, you know, it's time for time for a little bit of a hiatus as Glee is going to do. They will take a break after their Christmas episode and get going again with episode 11. This is going to be our last uh, Glee season with a full 22 episodes. Season five will have less, as will season six. So, um, you know, we are uh, we're still having fun. And uh, hopefully the finish line doesn't come too soon because I don't think we're ready to quite stop just yet and yeah, i can't uh, believe it i really can't believe we, it like it's we've been going it doesn't feel like that we've been going that long but we're already halfway through season four mm-hmm. we're probably going to be done with it by the end of this month yeah we passed the halfway point of episodes already which you know we're already into the second half of all that but i don't want to make us sad i don't want to make everybody else sad there's still plenty to come and uh you know even once we're done with all the episodes we'll still have plenty more to talk about so um enjoy hope you guys enjoyed these first 10 episodes please 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 do give us star ratings and reviews and uh help us be seen more in the itunes chart so that other people out there can you know also come on this journey with us as we are at the end but even once we're done uh you know it'll still be nice to have people out there listening i know for a fact that once this is all over i will be going back and listening to it all from the top because i don't know that recording it all again would make sense but i'm sure this won't be the last glee rewatch i do and uh someday i look forward to having this all to uh play back and revisit uh so that's what i have planned but yeah i hope you guys enjoyed uh season four part two will be in your feeds before you know yes 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 and i don't know what else to say now because there is no regionals the new direction is lost so i guess we'll see you in the back half of season two bye-bye bye-bye now bye-bye now Bye-bye.